Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border once again. And, uh, well, today we're going to talk about exactly two news. This is recorded on um, Discord once again because... I thought, because of the subject matter of this episode, I should rather ask the opinions of people listening to the show about what's happening. And if you want to be on future recordings that are going to happen sometimes on Discord and sometimes off of that, but if you just want to watch the movies or everything, there's going to be our Discord link in the show notes. It's always out there somewhere. But uh, we have two subject matters that we are we really need to talk about. This episode's probably going to be maybe slightly less uh, turbo-organized, but the subject thing that we're covering today, two of them. They're both uh, quite a bit insane and quite a bit uh, weird in a way because we're talking about a new war that started and happened to just, you know, end at one point. It was just bizarre. See, let's start with the most recent thing that has already ended and I'm thankful it did. And this is a subject matter that I haven't touched um, ever because it's related to about thousand years of mutual hatred and horribleness and people just wanting to kill each other for various reasons because um, yeah, Armenia and Azerbaijan are two nations that hate each other and despise each other to the levels of insanity and they have been split and, and the hatred was intensified, so to speak, by Stalin, which just split up their governmental lands and everything that they had in their states in the Soviet era, because then no one really cared, but uh, then things got a bit out of hand. So we have Armenia on one hand, which is a democratic country. They have elected presidents and, and parliament and everything. They are also nominally allies of Russia. Well, not anymore, but they used to be, uh, but they're not yet allies of the, the Western world. They're also quite friendly to Iran, which makes it all the more funnier. And then we have Azerbaijan, who are against Russia. They are allies to Turkey, who um, yeah, are not friendly to EU, but they're friendly to the United States. And they hate Iran a lot. And the, Az- the Azeris, they are now the aggressors. And, the, well, they decided that this would be the right moment to rectify, at least in their own heads, what happened back in the early 90s. Because... There's a, this is part of one. Like, what is Nagorno-Karabakh? Well, obviously, we're talking about that conflict, which started and apparently ended today. What happened was that uh, back in, in the Stalinist era, there was always 
this kind of split between republics and internal things. And Stalin just drew the borders of Armenian SSR and Azerbaijani SSR in such a way that, uh, you know, there were districts of each other's in each other's territory. But the conflict about this land, this mountainous land, Nagorno-Karabakh, literally Mountain Karabakh or Artsakh in Armenian, that was always there. And at this point, it truly doesn't even matter who's right, because uh, they both, both sides here have committed genocide, acts of terrorism, mass murders, all sorts of nonsense. See, back in the 90s when the Soviet Union collapsed, just before it even started collapsing, um, they started fighting about this. And back then, Armenia was supported, like it had more Russian weapons, and it was more powerful, had more population, just had more military potential, and they just smacked Azerbaijan completely, taken Nagorno-Karabakh, declaring it independent and, you know, tied to Armenia. They have this made its own kind of Donbass version. Also committed insane amounts of war crimes. Azerbaijanis were very kind of responsive and kind. It's kind of like in the Balkans when you have, have like Serbians and Croatians and everything's a mess. But uh, yeah, it wasn't nice. And Azerbaijanis were forced to kind of leave their territories there. Although everyone recognizes the Nagorno-Karabakh to be a part of Azerbaijan. But Armenians managed to kind of make sure the region got its own semi-independence, unrecognized government, though, because more than 90% of people living there are Armenians. But they also took some surrounding areas of Azerbaijanis back then, and, uh, well, horrible, horrible things happened from both sides. The problem is Armenia, well, they didn't have any natural resources, and in the 21st century, Azerbaijan has oil and everything, and they are also allied with Turkey, so they became just richer. Richer, and now they have more population because a bunch of Armenians have just left there. And over time, Azerbaijan just became stronger and stronger. And uh, they, you know, they truly hate each other to, to, to the extreme levels because, again, it's a thousand-year-old hate. And to explain this hate, uh, at one point, I think it was EU organized, EU, maybe NATO organized. I just remember the event in Prague. It happened like, oh no, sorry, Budapest. A mistake in Budapest. There was this common event in Budapest, which is like NATO plus or something like that. And at one point, an Azerbaijani soldier murdered an Armenian while the Armenian was sleeping. Okay. And he was sentenced to life in prison in, in Hungary, but then he was extradited to, Arme- to, to Azerbaijan and, and up on the condition that he would serve his life sentence there in Azerbaijan. But, you know, as soon as he arrived back in Azerbaijan, he was like pardoned instantly, went to see the president, which is an authoritarian leader. The Western world only respects him because of, uh, you know, that he provides oil to the EU at this point. And, and, and he's not pro-Russian, but instead of, you know, hanging out with Turkey. And then he was given like awards and everything because he literally murdered another Armenian guy while the Armenian guy was sleeping. They, they despise each other to the max. So it was like very scary at one point because they are everything. Every time everything just stops in, in the in the whole stability issue, yeah, it explodes there. And if you understand, like the only reason why this hadn't escalated is because in 2020, at one point, when COVID happened, the Azerbaijanis attacked uh, Armenia as well because of the 90s and then before the 90s, all all, all that stuff. I'm not going to get into all the depth of everything, but but it really matters. So. After that, there was a peace deal, which meant that basically Azerbaijanis have their own exclave, by the way, which borders Turkey and uh, Armenia. It's like you have to pass through that. But what happened was that the Russia organized this whole peace deal thing, and it was based upon Russian peacekeepers and everyone, you know, not killing each other and everything like that. 
But Russia has not been doing that great lately. They've been taking away their anti-air systems and everything. And um, Azerbaijan just saw that, you know, because of Pashinyan, the Amer the Armenian president, he'd been, you know, he'd lost contact with Russians. He'd, he'd now done uh, kind of training military exercises with Americans. And he's getting close to Europe. Well, quite obviously, Azerbaijan picked the moment where they will, where they knew they would no longer be protected by Russians, but not yet by the Western powers. Interestingly enough, previously, even before this, although Armenia had been the most staunch ally of Russia, they had been on Russia's side and Iran's side at all times. Pashinyan, their current prime minister, because uh, or because you know the head of government, because he could he could come to power due to a popular revolution, since one of those Maidans, as we call them now, he was sort of natural political enemy of Putin himself. So it was a strange relationship. But yeah, when Azeris decided to basically just uh, smack heads with them and get their stuff back to kind of prolong the suffering of everyone over there in the region, the Russian peacekeepers just dropped their guns and ran. It was a fun thing to see how well uh, Russia just abandoned their own ally in their ODCB thing, ODKB in Russian. I still haven't figured out the proper term there, but like Russia's NATO analog. So now Russia has once again proved that, um, that yeah, the deals... The deals you, you sign with them, they're, they're worth nothing at all. Now, the problem here being is that uh, it's a complex situation simply because at the start of the Ukraine war, has these guys in, in Nagorno-Karabakh, as they're Armenian, and they, are, they were protected, protected by Russians, they had no choice. And they, uh, they were the guys who went out on pro-Russia parades and said that, yeah, we support the special military operation and all that stuff. On one hand, you know, it's reprehensible. On the other hand, uh, not like they had a choice in the matter. Because again, Russia is their only ally in Iran. And it's weird because currently we're in a situation where their conflict has been going on for such a long time. And Armenia, the de democratic country, right? The democratic country is allies with Russia and Iran, for the most part. And then the autocratic, typical, like Azerbaijan is a very typical resource country with their own dictator, well, authoritarian. He's not as brutal as something. There is some freedom of the press. They attack it, and then it's kind of kind of weird. But I do have to say that there, uh, the Azerbaijani uh, people, the government, has stated that agreement has been reached on suspending the military operation in Karabakh. And this just happened, like I read this about now. First of all, the combat actions will be stopped from, the, from 1 p.m. on September 20th. The Gorno-Karabakh Republic decided to cease fire and accept the proposal, proposals of the command of the Russian peacekeepers. And the remaining units and servicemen of the Armenian armed forces will be withdrawn from the deployment zone of the Russian peacekeeping contingent, which did nothing and ran away. Then agreement was reached on disbanding and complete disarmament of armed formations of the Nagorno-Karabakh Defense Army and withdrawal of heavy equipment and weapons from the territory of Nagorno-Karabakh. And yeah, they now wanted to do the the thing to talk about between Baku and Karabakh Armenians on the integration issue, and this is going to be held on 21st of September. But of course, it's not always that simple. The Russian Z channels, who are also sort of against Armenia, but at the same time, they don't like Azerbaijan because of everything. And this comes from Maxim Kalashnikov, who retweeted this. Well, not retweeted, but like, it's retweet, but basically in Telegram, okay? I don't know how to read re Telegram. I suppose re Telegram is a word now. Quote, Nagorno-Karabakh has signed the surrender to Azerbaijan as Baza, an interesting open-source intelligence uh, agency writes, the army of the unrecognized republic lost almost half of its armed forces during the day. 
The Nagorno-Karabakh Defense Army will be disbanded and disarmed. Equipment and weapons will be removed from the territory of Karabakh, or Artsakh, as the Armenians call it, and disposed of. The capitulation was caused by the situation on the front. For, you know, just in about 24 hours, the army of the unrecognized republic, which consisted of about 2.5 thousand people, lost about 1,000 fighters. At the same time, same time from the side of Azerbaijan, there's a group of 60,000 people, and the losses there amounted to 300 to 500 people. In addition, the troops of Nagorno-Karabakh have run out of ammunition. So that's a bit of that's a bit of weirdness. Under the terms of surrender, apparently, Azerbaijan will have to provide a corridor for the evacuation of residents and remnants of the Karabakh army. Well, exactly at the right moment, of course, this was happening. This was just weird. The thing is, I really hope the corridor happens, because if, if the corridor does not happen, we're going to have a genocide on our hands. We're going to have people just murdering each other and exiling things because the Armenians did the same thing to Azerbaijanis and Azerbaijanis just hate Armenians, like I told you. At least, at least this was over. This is a thing. The worst part that really, really hits on the Russian side is the fact that, of course, Russian propagandists will now tell you that, oh, well, of course, Armenia hadn't been so friendly to us and they, you know, adopted the Rome statutes, which means that uh, Armenia has to rest Putin. But they had been doing weird things before, even like this. You know, in 2020, they also did not support the Gorno Karabakh and everything. And they couldn't even, like, stop anything at all. They could not do anything whatsoever to even try to, to stop this, because everything is on the front lines. If they could have, they, they would have done something. This, again, proves that, uh, yeah, I mean, how much of the ready, ready forces are out there on the Russian front? How, much, how, how many things they, they can even do out there. Because this does into the events on the front lines. Again, this is on Discord. You can also just you know type the comments in the Eastern Border Hangout, guys, here. But um, I saw a bunch of things about how uh, the situation on the front for the Russians are getting the worse. Artillery, for example, ran out of ammunition, and then they uh, were forced to you know attack blatantly the front line positions near Bakhmut. And then they just wrote a video uh, video kind of thing to put in and then they run away. And this doesn't do everything perfectly. Because that's the thing. It's, it seems obvious to me that Putin does not want to win the war. He just wants to, you know, create a nice impression that he's doing everything to do so. So every little village that, that Ukraine captures and everything, Russia just spends insane amounts of resources and manpower to, you know, send people back up against them. That costs a lot of things. And I think Putin at this point is not even living in real reality. And this whole Karabakh thing, yeah, that's a major blow on, on the whole alliance structure there and, and their potential to even defend anything. If previously we saw Kazakhstan also kind of wearing away from Russia, but kind of very carefully because otherwise they have to flirt with China, well, pretty much Russia's, Russia's influence in Central Asia just ended. Basically just overnight ended. This was just a proof because... They should have just at least did do something, and they did nothing whatsoever. I really, really hope this does not even um, end in genocide, because truly, this has the potential to do so. But at least there is some hope that at least if a peace agreement was happened so fast, then uh, yeah. Because once again, Azerbaijanis attacked at the perfect moment, and they knew they couldn't lose. They had been blockading this whole area for a while, and they had offered basically the kind of food and medicine to the locals, but the locals hate Azerbaijanis also so much that uh, they said, oh, it might be poisoned or something. 
This is such a complex issue that it would take, I don't know, five episodes in a row to explain. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. But at least we have something. And let's hope that the fighting and the deaths end and that these are all of the deaths that we've seen because the fighting should have been over by this point. But um, it's still very painful. I thought this was going to happen earlier, by the way, but we can just see how all these little regional conflicts that have the potential to rise up are going to do so. I'm not even... like This could also empower Taliban, by the way, because, again, Taliban did not encroach and do bad things from Afghanistan towards the other Central Asian nations only because they were afraid of Russians, and right now they see that Russians cannot do anything. So what thing, one thing that we could expect in the future, at least I think so, is that the Taliban will definitely try to move and infiltrate and do things around to spread their own ideology. Because obviously there is no Russia around to enforce any peace. Which is going to be interesting. And talking about Taliban, why this also matters, because how this ties into the other major news segment that we have to cover today. We're of course talking about Ramzan Kadyrov. See, Ramzan Kadyrov, if you, if you look at him recently, you would see that he's just been bloated Bloated insanely, uh, he's been not feeling very well, so to speak. There were stories about how he's in a coma, how he's, you know, very ill. And, you know, we have to take these all, all of these things with a grain of salt because, um, well, currently in this war we have uh, buried Prigozhin twice. Then we actually buried him before that. Then Putin has also been buried. Then a lot of, like, I think Gerasimov at one point also was told to be dead. Then Budanov, of course, and everything else. So, bit of a mess here. But it, I think I think Ramzan Kadyrov is not dead yet. At least not, not, not that we know of. Or if he is, then it's very well hidden. Because for one, Ramzan Kadyrov is a Muslim. And in that religion, which I happen to know a bit about because of my educational matters, you have to bury someone super quickly. It's not like it can wait a day or two. It's the best if someone dies early in the day to bury him before even sun sets. As fast as humanly possible, you have to bury him. So I think that, you know, we would know mass, bur mass burials, everything happening there around it. They try to rebuke him being dead by showing some videos, especially from Grozny. But the problem is that the, the, the rebuke happened on his Telegram channel and it only happened in the written part of the whole whole thing. In the video itself, Ramzan Kadyrov only walks around in rain and talks about how, you know, he's reading Quran and how he's feeling good in fresh air. The problem is, you know, although it did rain in the day where they claimed that, um, you know, it was filmed, um, 
you'd be surprised, guys, but it, it does rain in multiple days per year in Grozny, in, in Caucasus Mountains. Secondly, it, it was like dressed way, way too, too kind of for, for the wrong climate as well. So who knows? I believe that he might be very, very ill. I have heard reports that they took him to Moscow where they, apparently, because of all of his illnesses and continuous horrible drug use and everything else, that they had tried to change, like uh, give him a kidney a kidney transplant, but that didn't happen. That didn't fix it, didn't, didn't grow. I've heard from some sources that's like multiple kidney transplants, none of which have worked, which doesn't really surprise me. What surprises me is the fact that, um, well, previously, Ramzan Klirov had his own personal doctor, the family doctor there. He's been gone for a while, and presumably Ramzan Klirov just, uh, you know, um, introduced him to open windows or something like that because he couldn't heal Ramzan Klirov properly. But uh, then he was disappeared. But this just signifies that Ramzan Klirov truly truly is seriously ill. Now, what this means and why this is, why is this important? Because Ramzan Khadirov is hated in Chechnya. Uh, I think in one of the episodes earlier of this year, or even previously to that, I mentioned that around 60% of Ramzan Khadirov's friends and family and friends' family and everything, yeah, they're about 60% of all the clerks, all the kind of, you know, state workers in the whole republic. Also, what, what Ramzan Khadirov does is that everyone who works for the government in Chechnya has to pay in about 10% of their salary, totally voluntarily, of course, to the fund of Ahmad Kadyrov, Ramzan's dad. And then, you know, from that fund that's technically meant for charity, Ramzan Kadyrov had bought a bunch of expensive stuff. He just basically extra taxes everyone. And that's whole, that's, everything is besides the point of, um, besides the point of, of how he had, you know, put people in prisons for just, you know, their, their views and, and just their sexual orientation. He's made concentration camps and everything. Now, previously, previously, Putin had used Ramzan Khadirov as his um, dog, of, of like his guard dog. See, Ramzan Khadirov used to be scary. Ramzan Khadirov had killed Anna Politkovskaya, he had killed Boris Nemtsov. I still firmly believe he had something to do with Prigozhin as well. You know, he'd been the bloodhound. The problem is, in this war, we saw that his famed Kadyrovtsi, which at the early war, by the way, pro-Russian guys told me that, oh no, Kadyrovtsi are coming to battle, they're going to defeat everyone. Yeah, they've never been to a battle. They're just TikTok warriors. We have seen that they can just, you know, they, they can specialize in beating up people and doing horrible things to people. But if they see actually a kind of motivated armed resistance, they just run away. They always manage to, you know, run away from everywhere where fighting is going to be. So... These guys are not that cool in combat, although it is a private army, but it's more of a, you know, punch around guys thing. Also, they, um, they're being hated by the Russian soldiers because they have been very rude and they, they are used to being allowed to do everything possible. And finally, they're hated in Chechnya as well. And over there in Chechnya, over there in Chechnya, there are still many people who remember why they wanted independence from Russia in the first place. And every time something bad happens there, there's always something that needs to be dealt with because there are a lot of people who, you know, might still rise up in revolution. And Ramzan Kadyrov has ne never used his own private army, you know, his private uh, Kadyrov to deal with such issues. He's always asked for some special forces from central Russia, you know, from Moscow. Alpha units doing these counter-terrorist operations is what you call them. But now, if Ramzan Kadyrov just passes away and everything, so who's next? What's up? How, who's going to control the situation? I think Kremlin might are are now in deep deep trouble because they might they might want to seek some sort of um 
I don't know, some sort of air, I guess, to put it on there officially, make it look nice, you know, just just overcome this because right now Chechnya could explode in the civil war. And like I said, if if Russia's collapse is going to start, it's going to happen from Chechnya, hundred percent, and this is going to be very painful. If 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 nothing is done and nothing is properly solved, then um, yeah, we could see some some bad things because there are people still there out there who could fight back and resist and do everything. Mind you, it's still the Caucasus region. Do you know what else is in the Caucasus region? Armenia and Azerbaijan, they're still around over there in those parts. And Armenians, you know, they right now they hate Russia. Azerbaijanis also hate Russia. Private military companies, here we go, all, all that nonsense. And and this is a dangerous thing. We we have to find out when or or something is gonna happen with Kadyrov. This could turn out to be really, really bad for Putin for for elections. Putin has kept everyone in power for such a long time. He managed to deal with the things, but if Kadyrov dies finally, then that's that, that signifies that uh, uh, that signifies that everything's in a bit of trouble. This could be this could be start for for something bigger. Just just truly weird. The fact is that now they have to solve this issue, and we haven't heard of Ramzan for a while, and that's a bit scary. Now about Armenia, Azerbaijan, and all this all this stuff. Yeah, you know, Chechnya has always been an aggressive element. People will start doing all sorts of um, all sorts of weird nonsense around these parts by by just stating how he's dead or how he's not dead. But besides this, I do have to say that we also are just seeing how Russian morale is going down, how how their soldiers are just being angry about everything. The thing is that currently, even like Russian pro Z guys, they're they're yelling about how everyone should stop lying and everything. And that's always funny when these pro Z guys are telling that you know we should start talking about and telling the truth. But um, again, if they start telling the truth, they have to admit that how all this has been orchestrated since 2014. This could be truly, truly weird times. If Ramzan Gdidov dies right now, and Azerbaijan manages to do something horrible with their own peace deal, then we're and and, and Russia is held responsible because there are already protests around uh, uh, Armenia about all the situation and how this is working down. Well, uh, this is the whole thing that could really bring bring up some sort of a revolution thing. So just saying, yeah. And everyone who who listened to this on iPad or something, um, in their in their in Discord here, but yeah, again, you can join our Discord and anything. Please do. But uh, oh, next two days are going to be interesting and very crazy. All this counteroffensive and everything, and Kadyrov, of course, will be watching watching it closely. But yeah, that's it for today. I'll be reading some of your questions on the Hangout chat. So I hope that something comes out of it. But as usual, and remember, happiness is management. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.